Uh, I want to invite someone to the stage in just a second uh, who is going to be uh, joining us as a guest speaker today. Many of you have met him before. Uh, let, let's put a picture of Roger up here. This is Roger and his family. Um, look at that. This is Roger, the little one with the headband. She is, she is cute. Uh, Roger is a great guy. He's a dude who's just really trying to uh, take the love of Jesus and share it with the people around who might not know about it. Uh, Roger... Um, is intending to plant a new church in the city of Jacksonville. Uh, and so if you know anybody in Jacksonville, if you've got any connections in Jacksonville, maybe you do business in Jacksonville, uh, I want you to be aware of that. He is uh, in the process right now of uh, getting his family collected and getting his plans together, and then they'll be moving sometime in this next year to get over there and to start to lay the groundwork, very similar to what Venture Church did just a couple years back. We're only, if you're new today, our church is only two and a half years old, um, and so we're brand new, and, and Roger is starting on that quest, and he's, he's already a good ways into it. Um, Roger is good to share with us today because we've been in this series called Acts, When God Sparks a Movement. Uh, last week, uh, I shared this phrase for you. See if anybody can figure out the, the last line. I said that uh, you are the what? Good. Say it, let's say it again. You are the spark. It's I am the spark. When God sparks a movement, it changes the world. And the movement that he sparked was the church. And each one of us is a spark. And so we talked a little bit about that last week. Roger's perfect to share today after we finished up the book of Acts because he is another spark. And he's hanging into a community with a deliberate goal of saying, I want to continue to share the love of God with people who might not know about it. And so um, he'll be in Jacksonville. Uh, we're, we're calling his project right now the Jacksonville Project. Uh, they're, they're working on naming it and getting some other things together. But here's what I want to ask you to do a couple of things. First of all, will you be praying for Roger? Pray for his family. Pray for them make, making the move. Those of you who've been around for a long time at Venture, you, you know kind of the sacrifice that go in, goes in with getting a church started and meeting people and what it means to just relocate your family and things like that. The other thing that I want to encourage you to think about is somehow being involved with what Roger's doing. Uh, maybe, like I said, you have friends or family that are there in Jacksonville that you could uh, tell about the, the, the project, but also uh, it might be that as they get closer, we're going to be talking about it here some, that you might want to go and volunteer up there a week or two or go in and, and do some of the things that you do here, do it there, um, and just help them be a part of that. You might also want to be uh, financially financially invested in that uh, that church where you could help them as they get some startup costs to rent facilities and to uh, and to pay the bills that come along with doing community like that. And so, uh, Roger, where are you at, man? I want to invite you to the stage. Come on up. Let's give Roger Burns a big Venture Church welcome. It's really special for me to be here because in a lot of ways, Venture, um, Venture Church has really started my path to church planting. A few years ago, uh, we felt God's call in our life to plant a church. I knew no one who planted a church. Um, I have a really good friend who, who um, this guy named Chris Woolard means a lot to. And so I just texted him. I said, hey, can I get Chris's number? He said, yeah. So I called Chris. I said, hey, man, I'm thinking about planting a church. He said, awesome. Let's talk. And, and uh, so Chris invested a lot of time in me. He said, hey, you need to go with us to this church planting conference in a few weeks. Uh, it was like literally just a few weeks. He's like, and I, I said, man, I, I can't afford it. He said, don't worry about it. We'll figure out a way for you to get there. And that conference, um, at, at that conference, man, it was real to me. It was real to my wife. And that was one year ago. In that year, we've moved from Elizabeth City, North Carolina, uh, Northeast North Carolina. We moved from there uh, to New Bern, North Carolina, and we'll be the, we moved there in September. Uh, at the end of July, we'll be moving into New Bern. So yeah, please pray for us, pray for our family. 
Um, we're going to ask you to pray, give, or go. Pray, give, and go. Pray, give, and or go. Um, and I don't need to explain what those mean to you. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, there should be a card in your packet of papers um, or a piece of paper that says Jacksonville Project. If there's not one, there's one on the back by, those, um, by the cool books back there. So that's all I'm going to say about Jacksonville Project uh, right now. I want to tell you a, uh, just a short story. Uh, my wife and I, we bought a house in Elizabeth City when we first started our ministry. And uh, I am not handy. By any means, no one has ever called me handy, ever. And probably no one ever will. My son thinks I'm his hero because I fixed his little toy car yesterday. And that is about the end of my handyman resume right there. So we move into our new house and my wife uh, wants to hang a new light fixture above the, above the, the dining room table. Okay, now, th this is like her thing. We're in our new house, we're decorating, all that stuff, and she just stands back and looks, and she's like, I want a new light there. Well, me, trying to be a good husband and handy, which one of those things I'm not. One of those things I am, one of those things I'm not. So I was like, I can do it. So we go to Lowe's, we buy a light that's way too expensive that we had to leave at the house that we sold. Um, and so we don't even have the light anymore. Anyway, we go to Lowe's, get this light, bring it home. It's not really called a light. It's called something French. I can't even say it. It's a light. So she says, Let, let's hang it. No problem. I got this. I'll take care of it. Watched a few YouTube videos, read about half the instructions. I got it going on. We unpack the box. Um, I'm having a little more trouble than what I thought I was going to have. Okay. I'm up on top of my ladder. Yes, I'm not handy, but I do own a ladder. And I'm up here, and I'm having a little trouble, and I'm yelling at the light and a bunch of other stuff. So then I just yelled, hey, Aaron, that's my wife's name, can you come help me? So she gets on the other side of the ladder. The ladder's like this. It's a little short ladder. So she gets up on the other side. I said, just hold this while I attach the wires. That's what you have to do to get the light to turn on, right? So, I read about half the instructions. I connect the ground wire to this little green screw, which is supposed to represent power. I, who knows what it really means. But what happened when I put this ground wire on this green screw um, is boom. <laughs> Huge spark right in both of our faces knocked us off the ladder to where we're both standing on the ground like this. I'm standing on the ground like this because I, my right arm um, feels like I have it in a socket. She's standing here like this, looking at me like, are you an idiot? <laughs> that you did not turn off the power before you started installing this light? Uh, last night, just for fun, I Googled how to install a light fixture. You know what the very first thing is? <laughs> very first thing, Google it, very first thing. Turn off the power, you idiot. That's, that's, that's what it says. I like that you, you are a spark. You are a spark. Our word uh, for this week is you are a spark. And we're gonna talk about two things 
this morning that are going to create a, a spark, and we'll use the book of Acts to do that. I want to read this passage. If you're interested in the Holy Spirit uh, and living a life led by the Holy Spirit, I, I recommend this book right here. It's called Forgotten God, and it's not written uh, with a bunch of words you can't understand. Uh, it's really plain language, and the thing about this book is it changed my life, and so I'd recommend it. Uh, it's really short. Well, short, that's relative. If you read Dr. Seuss books, it's long, <laughs> but it's short to me. Does that make it sound like I read a lot? Because, I don't know. Anyway, this is what this book says. He said, when I read the book of Acts, I see the church as an unstoppable force. Nothing could thwart what God was doing, just as Jesus foretold. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Listen. The church was powerful, and it was spreading like wildfire, not because of clever planning, but by a movement of the Holy Spirit. Riots, torture, poverty, or any other type of persecution couldn't stop it. He asked this question, isn't that the type of church movement we all long to be a part of? And isn't that the kind of movement that we want to be a part of? Isn't that the kind of church that we want to be a part of? One that's, one that's taking over this world, one that's flipping it upside down. Don't we all want our lives to matter a little more than just what it means right now? Don't we want to belong to something that's much bigger than us? I do. I want to be a part of a movement. I want to be a part of a wildfire. As a matter of fact, I want to be a part of the church that Francis Chan brings up, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when the people look at our city in Jacksonville and they said that city will, would not be the same if it weren't for that church. So I think it all starts, a wildfire all starts with a spark. So how do we get our spark? The first thing that you need for a spark. Okay, I need to do a little sidebar here. I'm not a scientist or someone who studies electricity I'm not a teacher, I'm not an electrician, I'm just an idiot who didn't turn off the power, okay? So I'm teaching here from just experience of trying to light my house on fire and kill me and my wife in the process. The first thing that created our spark, you've got to have power, right? So yeah, power, yeah, that's cool. When it, when it works out like that, that's cool. It never works out for me like that. So uh, power, you need, you need a power source, where does the power come from? You know, where does, where does our power come from? If we're going to create a spark, we need some sort of power. I, I'm going to read a few passages, and then we'll settle in on one and look at it for a few minutes. But I just want to ask you a question that someone already answered out loud. But I just want to ask you this question. I'm going to read through a few passages, and I want you to tell me where we get our power. Listen to this, Acts chapter 1. It starts... In my former book, Theophilus, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things Jesus began to do and to teach. Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Listen to this. Verse 3 says this. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Take a second to just think about this passage. Luke says, yeah, in in my former book, I wrote about all the things Jesus did. He taught about. And after he suffered and died, he then came back to talk to these guys. Wait, what? He died and then he came back to do what? He talked. Dead people don't talk, unless you're in the sixth sense, right? Dead people don't talk. And then it says in verse six, it says, or in verse four, it says, on one occasion, he was eating with them. It doesn't get more real than sitting and talking and eating with them. This is power. This is power. That a human being was dead and is now talking and is eating with them. That's power. But where does the power come from? I want to read this. Uh, There's a verse in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 10. It says this. You're just listening to these verses. We're just trying to figure out where the power comes from. But if Christ is in you, your body, or if Christ, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit that was breathed back into Jesus rose him from the dead. That's power. Look at Acts chapter 1. If if you're following with me, you can keep reading. It says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse seven says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Where does the, Holy, where does the power come from? In Acts chapter 10, Peter's preaching about Jesus and he says, Jesus was given the Holy Spirit and power. You can't separate the two. You can't get power apart from the Holy Spirit and you can't expect to have the Holy Spirit and not have power. What's our power source? It's the Holy Spirit. And so let's settle in on Acts chapter one, uh, beginning in verse six. Let's look at that passage together. The Holy Spirit is our power source. I mean, it always has been. God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, if, if they're all God, man, we, we get power demonstrated in the Old Testament through creation. We can see the power that Jesus has when we're starting to read the stories about him called the Gospels. We, we start to uh, see his power in miracles and the greatest miracle is him raising from the dead. And we see the power of the Holy Spirit all through the book of Acts. What about you? Have you seen God's power? Some of you have. And some of you have great stories about how God cured someone from an incurable disease and baffled all the doctors. And that's power. Or maybe you, you can attest to a broken marriage. And because of God, he fixed it. Man, that's, that's power. Or maybe there's some people in here who you don't know God's power. As a matter of fact, power is not a word you would use to describe God at all. God can't fix me. 
I just want you to hang on if that's your if that's where you are this morning. I just want you to hold on. Look at Acts chapter one, verse six. It says this. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse seven. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and all of the ends of the earth. And so the disciples, man, they've been following this guy for the last three years, and now he's gone. Jesus has protected him, so their protection is gone. Jesus had led them, so their leader is gone. Jesus inspired them, so the inspiration is now gone. Jesus was their best friend, and now that companionship is gone. I mean, they're looking at each other like, what, was he for real this time? Like, this is all we got? Peter, are you our leader? I hope not. Matthew, what about you? Simon, anybody? And so they all get together. I mean, seriously, this is, what, this is their plan. Let's go, let's go, all of us, all 11 of us, and then they replace Judas. So now all 12 of us, let's go sit in a room. In my mind, I think they're gonna lock the door because they're scared of what's gonna happen to them. Jesus is gone. And so this is, they're sitting in that room, looking at each other, probably praying, maybe singing. But all of them are hoping that Jesus would come back. Chapter two starts like this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All right, you're looking for power, right? Suddenly, all together in one, or suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit had enabled them. There's fishermen, there are tax collectors, there's a whole group of ragtag people who only had one form of education. They only knew one language and that probably included a bunch of cuss words too, right? And now all of a sudden they're speaking in languages they've never learned before. But not only are they speaking in these languages, they're preaching in these languages, Have you ever said, I will never preach? A year ago, last week, I said, I will never plant a church. I'm dead serious. I said those words, I will never plant a church. I guess technically I haven't planted a church yet, but these guys are like, man, they're preaching. People are so confused. Someone says, wait, are they drunk? Another guy's like, no, it's only 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Now, I know that might seem, I know some people who can put that, that time to the test, all right? But to them, that seemed odd. No, it's only 9 a.m., 10 a.m. They're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're preaching. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, listen to this. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Peter, who's never preached. Peter, who says some really stupid things in the face of Jesus. Peter, who at one point, Jesus turns around and he says, get away from me, Satan. It's filled with the Holy Spirit and he stands up and he preaches in front of people who can kill him. And this is what he says. He says, Jesus came because he loved you. Jesus came to save the world and you crucified him. 
Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross. He was buried just like any other dead person. But what makes Jesus so special is he walked out. Y'all get that image in your head that a, a human being died and he was buried. And then one day he, his chest started to bump up and down again. His heart started to beat. He got up and did that nasty smell and breath stretch that you guys do every morning. And he walked out. And Peter preaches that kind of gospel sermon in front of all these people. Peter, that Peter. That's power. I think the power source is evident, right? I mean, I asked the question, where does our power come from? Some smarty pants who did all their studying yelled out the Holy Spirit, and I think you're right on. The power source comes from the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. We need a second thing to create a spark, right? So we've got this power source that apparently is supposed to turn off when you put in a light, blah, 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 blah. But we need something else to create a spark. My house did not spark. It never sparked before. I flipped that switch a hundred times and nothing ever sparked. So we need something else. Now, I, again, I'm not an electrician. So if I offend an electrician with my horrible electrician language, that's all right. The second thing we need is a ground wire, grounding wire. I searched Google and thesaurus.com last night and could come up with nothing better. But here's what happens. You hang a light, there's a power source, you connect it with a grounding wire. And here's what the grounding wire does. It receives the power and it passes it on. That's, that could probably preach sometime, I'm, I'm telling you, that's good. It receives the power and it passes it on. Man, if you're going to have a spark, you're going to need something with the potential to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter finishes this this sermon, I want to clear some stuff up for you. Look at this, if you're following along with me in Acts chapter 2, look at verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says this. Um, when the people heard this sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the brother, or said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What must we do to be saved? Look, a lot of people are going to tell you a lot of things about what you have to do to be saved. A lot of people are going to say, you, you need to do this or you need to say this. Look, what does Peter say? Let's just look to see what Peter says. He said, what should we do to be saved? And Peter says, pretty plainly, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power. The promise, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. In Jacksonville, there are 60,000 people who will tell you they don't believe in Jesus. 60,000 people who claim to not be Christians in a city of 80,000. And this promise is for those who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. Verse 40 says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, Peter says. Those who accepted this message were baptized, listen, 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 and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. If 3,000 people walked in here this morning, uh, Chris might quit. He would take up an offering first and then <laughs> and quit. 3,000 people added that day. Can you imagine? 
3,000 people. I imagine songs being sung, and we'd sing Good, Good Father like 50 times. Um, a lot of, man, that's, that's a lot of baptizing. That's a lot of towels going on, but 3,000 people coming to know Jesus and being baptized, and now there are 3,000 people who now have the Holy Spirit. 3,000 ground wires who have the potential to really touch into this power. And so the, the power we're saying is, is, uh, is the Holy Spirit and the ground wire are Christians. But let me tell you about my friend Brad. That's not his name. Um, the last time I was here, I told you about a guy named Joe, and then I realized that was his name. So I worked really hard on coming up with a guy that I don't know. If your name's Brad, sorry. Brad started coming to our church, and he has uh, a pretty, uh, pretty good history. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm not going to tell you about his history because there are kids in the room. I mean, it's that kind of history. And uh, He comes to our church. The first thing he said to me when he walked in was, I don't know anything about the Bible. And I was like, sweet. Glad you're here. Um, we started to work through some things in, in his life. Um, he heard the story about Jesus loving him and giving up his life for him. And he's like, man, I, I don't know anything, but I know I want that. A few months later, we baptized Brad. I almost just said his real name. We baptized Brad, um, but nothing. I mean, nothing. Nothing could get Brad to do anything. We've left uh, our church. We've been gone for um, just a little less than a year, and Brad's no longer in church. I don't really know what he's into because he doesn't return my phone calls or my messages or text messages or emails or anything. I don't know if he's involved in church. I don't know what he's doing, but from what I hear from other people is you would have never guessed that he would have come to find Jesus. And you might know some stories about some Christians like that. Uh, maybe that's you. Here's the thing. If I'd have brought that light into my house and left it in the living room, which I wish I would have, there would have never been any kind of spark. There's power in this, in this ceiling, and there's a ground wire in that box. But if they never touch, y'all, if they never touch, we've got nothing, nothing, except the expensive light in the box and the light that should have stayed there. I like to teach about the Holy Spirit because, like I said, I, I think this is, this is our power. This is what drives us, man. This is what leads the church. This is what causes movements, the Holy Spirit. So I, I've taught about uh, him. I, I've preached, uh, I preached through the book of Acts at the church where I left. And um, a, a question that keeps coming up in, in conversations is this question. Why don't I see the Holy Spirit doing anything in my life right now? Like when I read through the book of Acts, I see some crazy things happening, but not for me. Look, I hear about these people come to church or, or in our small group or in our micro group. I, I hear about these guys talking about how the Holy Spirit led them to do this thing or about how the Holy Spirit was challenging them with this or about how the Holy Spirit just interacted in their life. But here's the problem is I don't see it in my life. Where is the Holy Spirit? 
few years ago, we woke up um, to the sound of my son just gasping for air. Now, he was, whew, he was probably uh, not two yet. Now, I, my wife has asthma. I don't. And so she says, um, he's got asthma. Now, I told you she has asthma, and I don't. That makes me the expert on asthma, right? So I said, he doesn't have asthma. He's just coughing. He has asthma, right? So uh, she, she said, he's having an asthma attack. He needs to go to the hospital. Now, she's, she's saying, like a good mom, take care of my son. I'm thinking, we don't have the money to take this boy to the hospital. So I took him to the hospital. And uh, <laughs> we get there. That's just, I, I'm making a joke, but that was one of the scariest things. When your son can't breathe and you can do nothing. And so the drive from our house to Almar Hospital was about seven, eight minutes. It's enough time for him to cool down. It's enough time for me to get worked up. <laughs> so like, now I can't breathe. And we walk into the hospital, I'm holding Bowen, and, and the, the nurse at the ER, she said, can I help you? And I said, can you just help my son breathe? She's like, sir, he's fine. <laughs> I said, can, can we just do something? And so finally, we go back, they run some tests, they do the, they do the breathing treatments. Um, and now I'm, I'm waiting for the question, does my son have asthma or doesn't he? Is this a freak thing that we need to really, really be concerned about? Or is this asthma, which we also need to really, really, really be concerned about? So she comes in, she gives us all our paperwork, all our discharge things. And then I, I said, hey, um, before we leave, can you tell me, does he have asthma? She looked at me like a really sweet old North Carolina lady that always says, bless your heart. <laughs> she looked at me like I was an idiot. I, I just want to know, does he have asthma? She said, oh, um, I don't know how to break it to you. You must be an idiot who tries to put in a light without turning off the power. She said, uh, I don't know how to break um, hmm. People don't have asthma. I was like, um, okay. She said, what happens is when the circumstances are right, like the weather's changing and they're sick or something, when the circumstances are right, that can cause an asthma attack. And people that that happens to often, we call them asthmatic. She said, asthma's not some, listen to this part. She said, asthma's not something you have. It's something that happens to you. It's like, oh, that's nice. So does he have asthma or? <laughs> I think that's how we think about the Holy Spirit. I think we think of the Holy Spirit as something, this big event that happens to us. That all of a sudden we'll be, we'll be in a conversation and the Holy Spirit will just take over. Or, or all of a sudden we'll be riding down the street and then we'll just have this sudden burst of the Holy Spirit because the circumstances are right. And I don't think that's right. I think we have the Holy Spirit. I mean, the scripture, the Bible is really clear that you and I have the Holy Spirit and we have the power that comes from the Holy Spirit when we are baptized into Christ. At that moment, we receive the Holy Spirit and we have him. You know why I think we don't see the Holy Spirit? 
why I think we don't have these big events. The Holy Spirit is a representation of God's power. And honestly, you don't need power to waste your life on Facebook. You don't need power to waste your life in front of a television screen or you don't need power to scream and yell at your spouse and your children. You don't need power for that. You don't, you don't need the Holy Spirit to do those things. So maybe he doesn't show up because you don't need power. We don't need the power. We don't need power to, to sleep our life away endlessly. We don't need power to live a life that doesn't look like Christ. You want to you know what we need power to do? We need power to invite that person in to know Jesus. That's scary. That's terrifying because you don't know what they're going to say. You know what we need power to do? We need power to live Christian lives in a culture that really doesn't want to see it. We need power to make decisions every day to follow and look like Jesus more and more. That's what we need power for. You wanna see the Holy Spirit start to work in your life? Let's start to live as if the Holy Spirit was inside of us, as if we have power, as if we have God living in our very being. Why don't we see the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Maybe we're not living lives that need power. Let's start living those lives that need power. And then here's what we need to happen for a spark. You ready? We need the power source and we need the ground wire to touch. We need them to touch. This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible and it comes at the end of Acts chapter two. And it says this. Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. Those 3,000 people that were baptized, now they're doing this. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. These are those, these are those people who have received the Holy Spirit who are starting to touch the power source. I've, one of my uh, life verses is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is what it says. You have not been given a spirit, the Holy Spirit. You have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity. But you have been given a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do you hear that? You've not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but you've been given a spirit of, of power and of love and of self-discipline. And you want to know what happens when, when the thing, the person, the Christian that has the Holy Spirit, when it connects with God, you want to know what happens? It creates a spark and a spark that creates a movement. This is how the rest of Acts goes. Acts chapter three, Peter and John are walking up to the temple and there's a guy there who's just begging for money, but he's crippled. 
And Peter looks at him like all of us do. And he says, silver, gold, I don't have. But man, what I have, I can give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. You want to know what happened? He stood up and he walked. And the people are, are angry at him. And so in Acts chapter 4, they put him on trial. And it says, this is what, this, is what uh, this verse says. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he puts on his defense. And in verse 13 of chapter 4, it says, When they saw the, the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had, had been with Jesus. The crippled are healed. People start to take notice. In Acts chapter 8, uh, Christianity is being persecuted like crazy, and so people run because they're scared. But they don't stop preaching. They go to wherever they can get to be safe, and then they start preaching again. And in that moment, Christianity took over all of the known world, and churches were planted then. And then in Acts chapter 9, the single, most, uh, the single person uh, who was persecuting the church, he was going into towns and, and pulling out women and children, the Bible says, and putting them in prison and killing them for being Christians. In Acts chapter 9, he comes into contact with Jesus. He turns his life around and he starts preaching the gospel. Don't ever say you can't preach the gospel when that cat starts preaching. And he starts traveling the world and he starts planting churches. When we start connecting with the power source, when we start to, connect, start to connect, man, a movement begins, a movement like venture. A church for people who don't like church. And they start uh, touching people and changing people's lives like you wouldn't imagine. And marriages are fixed and people now have uh, addiction is being uh, pushed out of, out of our lives and we're coming to love and know Jesus like crazy. You want to know what happens when, when we start to touch the power source? A church in Jacksonville is born. Marriages are restored. Addicts become clean. Lives find meaning. Sparks catch on fire. And wildfires take over. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You and me. Today, you and me as sparks, I am a spark. You and me as sparks. Let's create a spark. A spark that'll take over. A spark that'll take over Wilmington and that will take over Jacksonville. It'll take over our whole world. I'm gonna pray for all the sparks in this room. God, we thank you for who you are. Uh, God, we thank you for Jesus, who is a, a light in this world. Our light, our example to look to. God, I pray for those who uh, in this room who, who are being uh, spurred on by your Holy Spirit, who are being driven to, to the courage that comes from that power. God, that they will step out in faith and start to connect with the power source, Lord, so that they can be a spark wherever they are, in their home, in their workspace, in school, um, in their communities.
God, I pray for those in here who, who have never come to know who Jesus is, or the freedom, the life, the vision, the mission, the pursuit of, of what it means to follow Jesus, the joy. God, I pray that, that you move in them or that they could come to know you, know the power source. God, I pray for Venture Church that you continue to, to lead this church. God, pray, I pray for, for the, the leaders, Lord, that you protect them from Satan. God, continue to, uh, to lead them with your Holy Spirit and let them uh, follow. God, I pray for this church that uh, it makes a difference in this community as it already has. Lord, I pray that it continues to change lives um, and, and change this city. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love for, for me and for everyone here. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.